It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Burgundy and Bruce, the Washington Commanders are starting to feel the injury bug just a little bit as we got week three of training camp started on Sunday. That and more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into today's episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, David Harrison, at dharrison82 on Twitter, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And if you want to continue this conversation with me after this episode, you can do so via text message by going to joinsubtext.com slash commanders, You'll get the first two weeks for free so you can test it out and decide if you want to stick around. Of course, I appreciate all of the sub- subtexters that have been coming through, uh, just like I appreciate all the everydayers who tune into the show for every single episode. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL, and you will get a free white tech hat with any order. You don't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that much. Here with you five days a week, Monday through Friday, and on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to hear from a fellow Beat member as she gives us her thoughts on the defense two weeks into training camp. But before we do that, we have to get our Day 10 Howl Watch uh, in the books and talk about our play of the day, including a press conference clip from head coach Ron Rivera. But before we get to all of that, we're going to start today by talking about the most important ability any NFL player can possess in the game today, and that, of course, is availability and by the end of week two of training camp which ended on friday after friday's practice the commanders had eight players afflicted with varying injuries to varying degrees some of them very minor not really too much of a concern some of them obviously a little bit more serious armani rogers the tight end of course suffered an achilles injury that happened before training camp jamin davis had a minor knee surgery again also before training camp but then david bada suffering a triceps injury Sadiq Charles suffering a calf injury. Logan Thomas is also dealing with some calf issues. Emmanuel Forbes, a rookie cornerback with a groin injury. Curtis Hodges, the uh, young tight end, has a glute upper hamstring injury. And then Cody Barton came down before the end of week two with a hip flexor. I think his hip flexor tightness is the way uh, that was discussed. So those seven players, eight players, sorry, those eight players coming down with injuries or ailments, afflictions before the end of week two of training camp here in Ashmore, Virginia. And then by the end of Sunday's practice, you had to add another player, wide receiver Curtis uh, Curtis Samuel, dealing with what has been described as tightness. No specific area of the body uh, divulged or, or given. Uh, not that it is not mandatory, too, so we don't expect to get any more on that either. It was asked uh, by ESPN's John Kime during the press conference with Ron Rivera, and Coach Rivera, as predicted or uh, as predictable, would uh, reject to uh, rejected the option to uh, to answer that question. So, For practice on Sunday, obviously, Rodgers and Bada were both out because they're going to be out for a while, but so was tight end Logan Thomas. 
limited in practice on Sunday, uh, where Emmanuel Forbes and Sadiq Charles, both guys were out on the field, but only did individual and group drills. And then when he got time for the team drills to get started, both of them sat out uh, those parts of the practice. Again, Curtis Samuel also limited because he started off the practice full, but then was pulled due to that unspecified area. Uh, Tighten his full participants. Jamin Davis, who continues to recover from him, is his minor knee injury. Uh, Curtis Hodges, the tight end, was also on the field for the entire practice, as was linebacker Cody Barton. Now, with Emmanuel Forbes out, Benjamin St. Juice and Kendall Fuller, uh, man of the outside positions, and that meant Danny Johnson got some first-team reps on the inside, as did Rashad Wild Goose. Again, also getting looks with the first team, just like he has pretty much all of training camp. Danny Johnson, of course, the guy that's a little bit more established, uh, a little bit more well-known around these parts, but both players were on the roster last year. Now, of the players that are now on the injury list, again, nine total players now uh, that we add Curtis Samuel to the list. The least, the player I'm least concerned about, honestly, is tight end Logan Thomas. Um, he's 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 outside, you know, outside of the full participant guys. Obviously, the full participant guys, Jamin Davis, Curtis Hodges, uh, Cody Barton, if they weren't healthy, this team and this coaching staff has already shown that they are more than willing to sit a guy uh, out of a, what they're what they commonly call an abundance of caution, right? So, without those guys qualifying, the guy that I'm least worried about is Logan Thomas, the tight end. Uh, you know, I talked to him literally the day that he 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 dealt with his calf injury, that he got his calf injury. Uh, I talked to him after practice. He was walking fine. He looked fine. Uh, was obviously willing to stay. You guys, if you if you're an everyday, you saw the interview uh, that we did with him, and he was willing to stand there and wait. Wasn't like rushing off to go. Uh, get treatment or going to the trainer room or getting ushered off, uh, you know, swept away to get that uh, that calf looked at. So, you know, um, obviously, if, if he's willing and the team is willing to allow him to do uh, a couple of minutes of stand up with me, then, you know, obviously it's, it's not too big uh, of a situation to worry about as of right now. So I'm not completely worried about Logan Thomas. I would say I'm a little bit worried about Curtis Samuel just because it did creep up at the end of Sunday's practice. Uh, and then, you know, of course, they, they shut him down, but we'll see what happens on Monday and then even Tuesday and, and Wednesday. But honestly, with veteran players, guys like Curtis Samuel, guys like Logan Thomas, you, don't, you, you get a little bit less worried about them. The more uh, veteran they are, the more experienced they are, because at the end of the day, if they're learning the mental side of this thing, obviously you want the full picture, the mental and the physical. But if you're at least getting the mental side of it, you've played enough football that you should know how to kind of apply those lessons once you get back on the field and rejoin your team. The guy that I'm most concerned about of all the injuries, I got to say it's left guard Sadiq Charles. Uh, honestly, there's been some concern about him being in the left guard uh, position anyway. Every day he misses these team reps and these team drills uh, as the starting left guard is just another opportunity for him to gel with his teammates, gel with his offensive line, get his assignments down that he's missing. And meanwhile, Chris Paul is getting all the reps, all the burns uh, with the first team. And, you know, he's had some up and down moments, obviously, but there are already some people, at least within the media group. Uh, I'm not going to say name. I'm not going to name names. I'll let them divulge their opinions to uh, on their own platforms. But there's some people who already believe Chris Paul has actually surpassed Sadiq Charles uh, as the better left guard for this team. So, you know, it, perhaps he's already lost that job. But as of right now, anyway, uh, Sadiq Charles certainly looks like the first guy when he is out there. They were doing some walkthrough installs, and they did put Sadiq Charles out there at left guard for the first team with the walkthrough installs uh, for that tape. So I don't know how much you want to read into that, but it certainly looks like anyway that Sadiq Charles is still the starter for what he's able to participate in. When he's not able to participate, Chris Paul is the guy. And then you got Aaron Montero leading the way for the second team left guard position, followed by Nolan Laufenberg, who's also rotating in the second team, starting to push Aaron Montero a little bit there for the second left guard job behind Chris Paul while Sadiq Charles is injured. Obviously, that's the third left guard job uh, when Sadiq Charles is not injured. So, you know, more to follow on that. We'll keep an eye, obviously, on the offensive line as we go through because it's it's a huge group, uh, position group of, of question. 
right? But Rivera did say on Sunday that they're going to pull guys at the slightest side of injury because uh, they don't want to push too hard too soon and end up losing a guy sooner uh, than they really need to. Is that the right move? I think it is. I already kind of talked about the mental reps still being valuable. Obviously, you want both if you can get both the mental and the physical, but if you can get the mental uh, and keep a guy healthy or as healthy as possible, let him recover. Uh, it's a, it's better to have a guy available for weeks down the road than it is getting a couple or a handful of practices now and losing them potentially for the rest of the season. And there have been higher than average temperatures out here for this time of year uh, on the field. And, you know, these guys are, are working out uh, and all those things. So soft tissue injuries, dehydration, cramps, muscle, muscle injuries, all this stuff uh, becomes a, a problem or a, an area of concern. Anyway, uh, speaking of the right moves to make on the football field or for the football team, the offensive line produced the play of the day on Sunday. I know that's good news for a lot of you to hear. It's good news for me to share with you. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs makes you look good because stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look so they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. They do this with cloud knit fabric that Bird Dogs invented and looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Plus, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. My favorite usage for my Bird Dog shorts is actually a swim trunks that I use to cool off after a long day over here at Commander's Park. And my joggers are my go-to to travel between games. Of course, I always have my Yeti style Bird Dogs tumbler with me. And even right now, it's in my car waiting for the drive home. And even though it's been in the car in 90 plus degree heat all day long, there's still going to be ice cold water in it and ice when I get out there. Again, despite it sitting in these conditions for eight hours or so. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and get your free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL to get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off and you're going to want to take that tumbler with you everywhere you go. I promise you. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for being a Locked On Commander. your first listen or view today and every day and every day. Make sure you come back. We got practice Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So you all have episodes following practice on each of those days. The team is traveling on Thursday. I am not going to Cleveland for the preseason game, so I will be um, at home or at my side job or doing something to stay productive. I can never really sit still for too long, so I got to have something to do. Um, But then Friday, of course, is the game, and I will have an episode dropping shortly after the game concludes preseason game. I think 7.30 kickoff in Cleveland, uh, local NBC or streaming. I'm not really sure how to watch it, to be quite honest with you. I know how I'm going to watch it, and that is through the Peacock app. Uh, that's how I will be watching it since I will not be there, but I will be at both home preseason games this preseason and then, of course, uh, throughout the season with you uh, at games as well. Every day, I appreciate you coming through for this episode. Appreciate you coming through. For all our future episodes and subtexters, I was asked to do a hit following the practice uh, with Linnell Willingham on Sunday, so I didn't get any players for one-on-ones coming off the field, but I did get another member of the beat to come through. So we'll hear from her in just a little bit. Still, keep sending your requests in, and we'll get to as many players as we can 
moving forward as they come off the practice field. For those who want to join in on that, head to joinsubtext.com slash commanders, and you can text me your interview requests and so much more that we are uh, talking about there on subtext on a daily basis, especially at practice where we are keeping an eye on quarterback Sam Howell. This is our 10th day of Howell Watch, and on the 10th days of our starting, 10th day of our starting quarterback watch, Sam Howell completed 17 of 27 pass attempts in 11 on 11 drills. Again, I only chart the 11 on 11 drills, not because seven on sevens don't have value, but because 11 on 11s have more value, uh, at least in my opinion. That was 63% of his throws completed. Now, getting beyond just the stats and just the numbers, Sam Howell completed two of his six pass attempts in a two-minute period that led to a successful 42-yard field goal try by both Joey Sly and Michael Badgley. So they brought Joey Sly's unit out to kick the field goal. He made it. They reset. They brought out Michael Badgley. He also made the 42-yard kick. Uh, and Sam Howell, again, two for six in that two-minute period. Now, however, with those four incomplete passes, two of them were throwaways to preserve the clock and not take unnecessary risks. Now, the scenario that the team was working with is they started, I want to say they started at their own 20-yard line with the ball with about a minute and a half left. I'm not sure how many tight end or tight ends timeouts they said that they had, but they were down less than a field goal, so a field goal would win the game. So that was the scenario that Sam Howell took the first-team offense onto the field with. They moved down the field again, uh, completed about two of the first five passes or two of the first three passes, and then had a throwaway, and then later on had another throwaway to preserve the clock smart football, don't take too many risks uh, and, and keep the ball secure for the, for the attempt uh, to, to for the field goal attempt to win the simulated game. And those two incompletions, in my opinion, you're going to be happy to take if it means that not one, but both of the kickers in this year's training camp competition can nail those game-winning field goals from beyond 40 yards. Now, going drive-by-drive, drive, looking at Sam Howell again, this is only 11. So if you hear somewhere that Sam Howell threw an interception, but you don't hear it here, it's because it's not because I'm hiding it. It's because that happened in seven on sevens. There was a pass intended for Mitchell Tinsley. The two were completely on different pages uh, or clearly on completely different pages. And you know something, if Sam Howell is throwing the ball to Mitchell Tinsley on the right sideline, come the regular season, we've got some other issues that we've got to discuss. And uh, Sam Howell is going to be the least of those concerns. But in the first set of 11 on 11, Sam Howell went three for four, starting the day off with Terry McLaurin on a hitch route. Terry McLaurin, getting a lot of attention from quarterback Sam Howell on Sunday. Uh, the next pass was a crossing pattern to Jahan Dotson. The very third, on the third pass, Sam Howell was able to get, get away from pressure, scramble to the right of the formation, and find De'Ami Brown over the middle of the field. Uh, the last one was incomplete. Uh, F.A. Obata actually hit Sam Howell's arm coming through. Now, if this was a real game and F.A. Obata were to hit the quarterback's arm, then we would be happy if this was a game and Sam Howell's arm got hit by a, cross, a passing defender we would be unhappy because you don't want to see the quarterback hit. If this is training camp, you are very unhappy to hear F.A. Obata or C.F.A. Obata hitting Sam Howell's arm. Ron Rivera had some words for uh, his defensive lineman afterwards, and there were no further issues. On the second set or second drive of 11-on-11, 11 11, there was a lot of runs here. Run on the first play, a plus pull by guard Chris Paul. So guard Chris Paul pulled from the left side formation to the right side. It was a very nice pull, very good block put down on that run play. Uh, on his first pass, Sam Howell connected on a play-action flare to Jahan Dodson. However, Kendall Fuller, very crafty veteran, very smart veteran, would have blown that play up uh, if it was fully live. Two for two on set two. Sam Howell hit a quick slant route to Dax Milne uh, to follow that. Those were the only two passes that he threw in the second set. The third set was that two-minute set we were talking about again. Start with a minute 30 on the clock on their own 20. First pass was completed 
to Terry McLaurin on a slant. The second pass was incomplete, again intended for Terry McLaurin. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice got one of those long arms in the way just in time to knock that ball around. Howell con- connected on his third pass, making him two for three. And then the fourth pass was thrown away under pressure to, again, avoid the sack, preserve the clock, preserve the ball two for four. At that point, went two for five on a pass breakup by Cam Curl, targeted uh, by Curtis Samuel. I mean, honestly, that might have been the worst pass I've seen Sam Howell throw all training camp. However, it was still away from defenders. It was just really far away from Curtis Samuel as well. So a little bit of clock confusion after that point. EB uh, wanted to run another play and have a rolling clock. Ron Rivera wanted to call a timeout after the clock got running again. Uh, there was a group discussion. It was it was really interesting uh, to watch. Wish we could be in the huddle to hear everybody talking. But the thing that I really liked about it is you've got Ron Rivera, who is clearly the head coach. And with the, the funny part about it is uh, that the clock stopped running. And Eric Bieniemy actually at one point said, why is the clock stopped? So they ran a play. The clock should be running. Eric Bieniemy said, why is the clock stopped? And Ron Rivera looked over and said, I called a timeout. And he said, oh, okay, okay, okay. Like the only guy on the field that can get Eric Bieniemy to stop yelling head coach Ron Rivera. So it was really funny. But, you know, the brain trust gets together. The guys who kind of help make these decisions on in these two-minute drive situations and games, they all get together. Eric Bieniemy is there. Sam Howell was even over there. I don't know how much he was saying or talking about it, but he was over there. And... In a situation where, you know, Ron Rivera could say, look, I'm the head coach. Here's what we're going to do. Boom, it's done. Don't, you know, we don't need to discuss it anymore. And there are head coaches out there that would take that route. He and his group were having a discussion. They were talking about the different options and why one was better than the other or why this one worked or why that one worked. And at the end of the day, came away with the decision. And I really liked the group leadership going on there. You got one guy who's clearly in charge, can make whatever decision he wants to make, but he doesn't take that route instead. He says, you know, we're going to talk about this. We got a lot of smart football people here. Let's discuss this. Let's make a decision that's best for this team. It was really, uh, really interesting to watch, and I was really happy uh, that the, that's the way that the team uh, and that head coach, Ron Rivera, decides to go about that. We'll hear about that situation here in just a minute from head coach, Ron Rivera. Uh, but finishing up that drive, uh, final, final play, final pass play was two for six. Uh, Sam Howell went two for six. Final pass play was a throwaway. Again, they basically snapped the ball, ran some deep routes. If it was open, Sam would take the opportunity to go deep. If it wasn't open, uh, then get rid of the ball, you know, uh, burn some clock, don't leave the opponent enough time to do anything with it, but then give your field goal kickers a try uh, for the game-winning field goal. And both kickers left hash 42 yards out. Joey Sly and Michael Badgley both nailed it. Now they reset and ran a mayday play. Basically, last play, clock is rolling, and they have to rush the offense or the uh, field goal unit on the field for a, for a potential field goal. And uh, Michael Badgley was short on the 47-yarder, so take that for what it's worth. But I want to talk about Ron Rivera in that huddle, talking about the two-minute situation. Sam Fortier of the Washington Post asked Coach Rivera in the post-practice press conference about that situation, and here's what Coach had to say. What was the timeout conversation like with Eric and Doug at the end of two-minute? Well, the biggest thing was we were talking about the two options we had. One is take the timeout and then take the shot into the end zone to win it. Okay, and if he doesn't have it, throw it away like he did, and it still gives us a chance to kick it. Or do you go ahead and spike it at Four seconds left, you know, there, and then there's a couple of things that, that, that are concerning because if you go to spike it and you got an illegal procedure, uh, now what happens is there's 10 second runoff or you got to give them back your timeout. So we went through those scenarios just to kind of discuss, um, you know, what our options, best options could be. What did you decide? And, and what's that process? Is that process different this yeah. year? No, the, no, that process is will will we'll continue to be the same. Um, the big difference is usually Doug is in my ear and EB's at the same time. And we're constantly talking about what our options are as we go through the two-minute drill. In this case, he Doug was over there with EB. And so what happened was I called the timeout, 
And then when we came and we talked about it, Doug was going, he said, yeah, but the other option too, coach, and that's one of the things that we were going to do is we were going to take it down to, to four seconds and spike it. And I said, okay. I said, but, you know, the other alternative, which EB seems to love, take that shot. <laughs> um, that was one of the things that we talked about. All right, great stuff. Great question there from Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. First of all, great answer from Ron Rivera. On the fourth set of 11 on 11 plays, Sam Howell, one for one, starting off the set, a rollout right side, uh, hit the sideline to Jahan Dotson. And here's the thing that makes this the play of the day. On that first play of the fourth set in 11 on 11s, Howell took the snap from Nick Gage, dropped back, scanned the defense, and saw no immediate opens. So he immediately started kind of moving around the pocket, extending the play like he does, moved to the right side of the field, move the pocket, do all this other stuff, change the site picture to see if he can find a lane to throw in. And when he finally threw the ball, he was able to find his receiver who had found some open space because of the time, because they kept moving. And Eric Bianmi was saying, keep, stay alive, stay alive, stay alive, telling the receivers to keep moving. But in total, what was really impressive about this play is that Sam Howell had about five to six seconds to execute this thing. Easily the best rep that we've ever seen from this offensive line, this training camp against the first team defense and probably the best day of practice. In fact, many people confirmed that they felt like this was the best day of practice. The offensive line runner bear after practice said kudos to the offensive line. There's a lot of positives that we're going to get from this. We got an opportunity to really go through some situational football as well. End quote. Sam Howell finished that set three for five. And then on the fifth set, they started on their own goal line and inside the 10. Sam Howell went seven for 10 to finish the practice. 70% on the drive. Always a good way uh, to go ahead and finish a drive. So, what a fellow beat member has to say about the commander's defense after the first two weeks of training camp that is coming up next on today's episode of locked on commanders. And we're going to do that. Thanks to our friends over at FanDuel. football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. And then you can use those bonus bets on spreads player props, overs, unders, and more. The current Super Bowl winning favorites are the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 600, while the second favorite team to win the Super Bowl is that green team uh, to the northeast of FedEx field at plus 800. Meanwhile, the Washington Commanders have plus plus 6,500 6, odds to win it all, meaning that you can make $6,500 on a $100 bet if they win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for, bonus bets for every game they win along the way. Or, of course, you can play it safe. And even if the Chiefs don't win the whole thing, you'll still likely get some solid bonus bets during the regular season for your trouble. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Back here to wrap up today's up to the Locked On Commanders. We weren't able to get any players coming off the field, but that's okay because I actually had a pre-recorded conversation with Candy Waller of Bowie TV and Seawall Entertainment that I wanted to show you guys talking about the impressions of the defense following the first two weeks of training camp. And we are going to talk defense here. Let's start with the front four, maybe even the front seven total. 
What are you thinking about this pass rush right now as a unit for this defense and, and coming in Jack Del Rio's, what, third, fourth year here coaching this defense? Actually, I just got a question in, um, David, about exactly that. And I said, you know, because of this being, what, Jack's third, fourth year, you know, this group has been together. Yeah. So they should be operating as advertised. And we've kind of heard that message from Deron Payne, from Jonathan Allen as well, that they understand they need to start out fast. They shouldn't have to, you know, have a slow start and then, you know, play basically out of their minds toward the end of the season to try to make the playoffs. Right. They need to start out consistently and they know and understand the investment that's been made on that line and on that pass rush. So they have to show up and be ready to execute week one. Now, of course, the biggest part of that defensive front is Chase Young. The biggest question is Chase Young coming back from the injury. I call it the injuries, surgery on both knees, right? Um, and even going back to before the injury, wasn't having a great year, the year that he got injured in the first place. How confident are you in what you've seen in Chase Young coming back so far? And, and what kind of season? We're, we haven't even played a preseason game yet, but do you have any type of thoughts about what to expect in the regular season from Chase this year? Because Chase Young is, what, the loudest voice yeah, in the room, the field, easily, like you said. Yeah. I think there's full confidence that Chase is going to have the year that others expect him to have in his second year. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, of course, with him winning Defensive Rookie of the Year, there was some disappointment around what his next year looked like, and then the following year, he ended up getting hurt. So it looks like Chase is even expecting Chase to be very much as who he believes he is and who we all know and believe that he can be as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, on the other side of the defensive line is Montez Sweat. Mm -hmm. Not as many, I guess, questions about Montez. He's kind of been a steady presence, a consistent producer, mm -hmm. maybe not a top-end NFL producer, but he's in a contract year. How do you feel about Montez? This training camp. I think, I think Montez is starting off exactly where he left off last year. Um, last training camp, you know, we, we saw almost a shift with Montez. Like, okay, he's going to have a big year, which he did. We know he missed the Pro Bowl. Well, I mean, he was still the ultimate mm -hmm. with the Pro Bowl, right? But I think he is poised to be ready. I think Deron Payne in his presser the other day, he called them the two monsters on <laughs> the end. Yeah. So I think for both Chase and Montez, this is going to be career years for them. Awesome. And then let's talk about Deron Payne. So obviously came into a contract year last year. And a lot of people said, like, he's very talented, but the effort isn't always there. He came through maximum effort, career year, got the big payday. And then there were some questions of, okay, well, now that he's paid, is he going to try as hard as he did in his contract year? Do you think that the effort has been there from Deron Payne this, this uh, training camp? Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been thoroughly impressed with Deron. Deron, he's been one of the quieter players on the team, mm -hmm. right? Doesn't say much. Yeah. Doesn't really like talking to us, you know. <laughs> but this year, you know, since, you know, I guess the big payday and just his leadership stance, he's talking a lot more. He's a lot more vocal about what the expectations are from the team. You're not just hearing it from Jonathan Allen. Before you were only kind of hearing it from Jonathan Allen, you're hearing it from Deron Payne as well. So I think they're all ready to beat their own records out here, so to speak. Absolutely. Now let's move to the linebacker position. That is kind of the biggest question mark for a lot of people. And Jamin Davis coming into the OTA minicamp period, having to recover from minor knee surgery, so he wasn't able to go during that early part. What have you seen from Jamin Davis so far? And he's got a big, big season coming up because next offseason, this team has to decide whether or not they pick up his fifth-year option. 
how confident are you in what Jamin has done so far on the field? I'm thinking if they if they continue to use if Jack Del Rio continues to use Jamin where he's the strongest and that's getting to the football, mm-hmm. he'll have a good year. Some of course, you know, they've been working a man. We had this conversation too, right, David, when I was like, wait, is he is he working with the ones or the twos? And it's like, okay, the first couple of days right. he was mostly with the twos, but they're mixing him in. He's doing a lot of work with Cody Barton in there, um, with some of those reps. So again, I think Jamin is a player who also understands what is to be expected of him and will act accordingly if he's used in the correct way. All right, and then the newcomer, Cody Barton, and then Kalik Hudson is getting some burn with the first team in place of Jamin Davis during some of those reps. What do you think of that pair? I'm thinking Kalik Hudson is a player I want to see have a big year. I've kind of been waiting for him to make that step and make that, ah, yes, yes, (laughs) go Kalik, go. Um, And so hoping that that's where this hump, he kind of gets over that hump. We've seen him make some impact like on special teams, but not as much at the linebacker position. So I'm hoping that's a year for him. I think Cody Barton was a great addition. I like his energy. I like he's already folding into kind of that yeah. defensive trash talk mm-hmm. <laughs> mode mm-hmm. as well. So all good good things and solid things from that position group as well. And that position group is interesting because we've kind of been talking about this on the sideline and, mm-hmm. and in little groups, right? When it comes to the active 53-man roster and how they're going to divvy up these spots, there's a potential here that there's only a few linebackers. How many linebackers do you foresee this team potentially carrying on their active roster? Right. We, we were sitting, I think we were talking about, what, are they going to take three or going to take four? Um, I think the notion about Kalik being on special teams mm-hmm. and all that helps. Right. So immediately I'm like, okay, well, there's only three. But if they can carry four, I just think they probably need to from a depth perspective. But it might yeah. only be three. But my only, I mean, really some teams carry like six linebackers. I mean, this Washington Commanders team, because of the, the linebacker role on the defense and how it's kind of shrunk over the years, yep. I mean, we may have, uh, I don't want to say a record low, but we may have a low amount of linebackers on this yep. roster compared to other NFL teams. But now the secondary is another unit that is yeah. just full of, of yeah. talent. We've also been talking about that group and talking about it, and there are about eight or nine guys that seem like yep. roster locks, but how many DBs can you really take in? Of course, we know Kendall Fuller is going to be there. Benjamin St. Juice, Manuel Forbes are kind of the big part of the conversation. The first round rookie, Benjamin mm-hmm. St. Juice, got some slot work last year, but also did really well in the perimeter. So we've all been kind of looking, where are they going to play these guys? What do you think mm-hmm. about Emmanuel specifically as a rookie in his first training camp? And then also what Ben has been doing on the practice field? Been totally impressed with Emmanuel Forbes and just how they're using him already in practice. I mean, we've seen, we've watched them put, you know, Emmanuel Forbes on Terry, on Jahan, on Logan Thomas. Mm. So it's like, okay, they have already set the tone and the expectation for what he should be able to do on game day. And I'm right. like, whoa. Um, Benjamin St. Juice is having a great camp. I think he's been solid. I think he's been very impressive. He's, he's showing his leadership um, a, a, a skill and ability. Did The year didn't end the way he wanted to due to injury right. last year, right? And, and he was doing well last year, but I think he's looking to correct a lot of some of those mistakes we would see him do. Now, we did see him <laughs> a flag get thrown on him the other day. Oh, no, we wanted a flag thrown. Like, yeah, we didn't they get didn't a flag. It, they did throw it, but they yeah. shouldn't. But, uh, <laughs> because we saw some of that last year, and I think yeah. that's why we panicked. But he would do that last year. But I think he's, it's the awareness piece for him that he's knowing that he's making mistakes. And when he does, he corrects it immediately. So both very strong camps for both of them. Yeah, now look at the entire secondary. Let's look at the corners, let's look at the safeties combined. Anybody from that group, who's kind of standing out from that group to you uh, in training camp? You know, we, we, we talk about Jeremy Reeves a lot from a special teams perspective, but I think he's been showing up a, yeah. a bit from a, from a, a DB perspective in, in these reps. Um, and so I think he's looking to be more of a defensive person. Cam Curl, we know Cam Curl's another one right. who is talking about his contract year, but Cam Curl is also having a solid camp. Another player who 
didn't get to finish the way he wanted to due to injury. Um, but we know that this defense, so Jack Del Rio relies on him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about somebody who I'm kind of hoping to see a little bit more from, and that's Percy Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there because that was a player that I was really, really excited about last year. So still trying to wait to see that right. that thing click um, for him because he's having a little bit of quieter of a camp, in my opinion. But so far, that group is very strong. Um, and they make comments about the defense making it easier for them, but it's almost like their receivers over there. I didn't talk about Quan Martin because he's also making a, a great impact. Yeah, as well. a lot, again, a lot of talent on that, lot on that over group. There. And, yeah, Percy had a really good OTA period. Mini camp was really good in the training mm-hmm. camp. I, mean, I think he's been as good, as but good, hasn't right. taken that another, another step, step during training right. camp. But we'll see. We still got, what, four or five more weeks of training camp to go. Yeah. We'll see if he can take that next step. Now, I know we're talking mm-hmm. defense, but the coach that everybody's talking about is Eric Bieniemy. So I do want to get your opinions on offensive coordinator, assistant head coach Eric Bieniemy, and just the change that we're feeling in, in camp from his presence alone. It's it's He's changed the atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, the practices are louder. <laughs> and it's not just because of fans when they are here, but even when they're not here. You know, I made the joke yesterday, like, EB's even making me walk faster. Like, yeah. hurry up yeah. and get to where I need to be. Hurry up and get settled. Hurry up and get settled on the sideline. It, it's it's the it's the notion around there there should be no wasted time on the practice field, right. right? So we're seeing the sense of urgency and just the tempo from huddle to line, from play over to get on get off the field, so yeah. that the next you know team reps can get started. He's not into wasting any time. He's really not into the additional nonsense. You can tell he's really not even into the trash talk. You know, if things are starting to get out of hand, he's like, I don't even care about that. Right. We got to get this play right. And so I think his sense of urgency and just the notion around corrective action around mistakes is rubbing off on everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. And then you kind of touched on the fans. You've been covering this team longer than I have. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm kind of astounded by the increase in fan attention and fan presence here at training camp. But even, if, even for you, can you talk about what the fan presence has meant uh, in, the, in the atmosphere here at training camp? I mean, it's exciting. It's, it's fun. Training camp is fun. Like we're used to it being so quiet. Um, and this is even without EB yeah. <laughs> making, making, you know, talking, but it's, it's a great energy. The fans are really happy. They're really excited. Um, and, and I think everyone's just, it's like a weight of the world lifted off everybody's shoulders. It's like people finally can't wait to go to a game. It's not gloom and doom talk. It's finally positive talk about the team. So I think this is going to be a really good year. Big thanks again once a candy, a member of the beat here, uh, out here at practice every day. Coming up tomorrow, we've got another practice again. So we will be back again with another episode. If you got questions or comments, in the meantime, drop them into the YouTube comments. Email me at lockedoncommanders at gmail.com. Hit me on Twitter at dharrison82 or via subtext. You can just text me straight from your phone. Join subtext.com slash commanders is the site to go to to join. You get the first two weeks for free if you like it. You stick around if you don't. That's unfortunate, but you can always opt out uh, before any type of payments are made. As always, I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day, thanks for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. And remember, anybody out there can continue this conversation with me by joining up at Subtext. Join, join Subtext.com slash Commanders. In the meantime, thank you so much for making me part of your day, part of your football routine. And until we speak again, please be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.